0: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Bitchpedia Podcast. This is one of two introductions, actually, that I am going to have on this episode. So I'm going to do a little mini recording today, and then I'm going to stitch a previous episode that I had recorded and left in my drafts. Truthfully, because I didn't know if I was going to share it or not. I had so many mixed emotions, even talking about it. And you can hear, you'll hear in the recording that I'm doing, I'm talking about how it's difficult for me to talk about this and how I kind of struggled with whether or not I wanted to share it. And I kept going back and forth, and the realization that I've had over the last couple of days is what I want to talk about in this first half, this first portion of the podcast. And I think it's important that they're not two different podcasts and I think you'll understand why as you finish the episode. But I want to talk about these realizations that I've had with a couple of things, actually. So I just finished, it was about an hour long session with a woman that I follow on TikTok. Her name is Dana. I can't remember her handle. I'll put all of her information and I'm going to put the link that I used because she offers a free de-shaming class. And it's just a quick introduction because she's doing a full class that she's selling as like a seminar. And I I might actually end up doing it. I feel like I should. It's just I'm I'm meeting a lot of resistance and fear because, I mean, it is a solid investment in yourself. But the next couple of days, it's going to be cheaper. So that's why I'm really rushing to try to get this podcast out and not worry so much about the analytics of when the episode does best to post it at the beginning of the week or whatever. I want to get it out so that you guys can have a chance to check her out because she's incredible. And it's funny because she's been coming up a lot. She talks a lot, too, about regulating your nervous system. And basically, the way that she does that is through de-shaming. And she talks about the importance of removing shame from your life and your body and how it has an effect on your physical impact as well. Anyway, I could go down a rabbit hole with that, too, because this is something that I'm very invested in. But the reason that I really spent the time that hour, I think it was maybe an hour, hour and a half of really focusing on that was because shame is something that has come back in my realm and something that I have observed lately. So I found, I had read and owned two of them, these Brene Brown books. And if you've never heard of her, she is also like number one in the game as far as shame specializing. Um, but she wrote two books. Well, she's written plenty of books, but she wrote two books that I have, and I have already read them, but it's been like a year and a half, two years, maybe even three, honestly, that I read them since I read them. So I went back and I started rereading Braving the Wilderness is one of the books that I have. The other one is Rising Strong, and I can't remember which one I liked the most. I just remember loving both of them, and I had so many pages marked on them. So... I went back and started rereading it and immediately I knew like, yes, this is something that I need to be focusing on. And it happens if I'm recognizing patterns. It happens a lot. I think my shame really increases as a tool that my ego uses to try to keep me small, which in its mind is keeping me safe. So when I do start to really make, like, take massive actions and make big changes, that's when I notice a lot of shame kind of consuming me. And I let that, in the past, I let that hold me back so much because it was so deeply embedded. And a lot of it came from the religion that I was raised in. You know, that's a tool that the religion uses a lot, Christianity in general, but especially, like, Southern Baptist um, that they use shame and what she calls this model as like the heroic model. And that video that I'm going to link in, I'll put it in the description and I cannot recommend it enough. Honestly, even the small, cause this one's free. Even that small little bit had a huge impact on me in just validating how I feel about shame in general and noticing. Okay. So let me go back. Um, no, we'll get ahead of myself. Noticing that heroic model When she walks it through, it's basically this idea that there is someone outside of you, the expert, as you would call them. And in this example, I'll be using, I'll say the medical doctor, that there's this hero who is going to save you and that they know more than you about what is best for you because they are professionals. Now in the video, and this is the only disclaimer I'm going to give, by the way, because I have it written in my notes that this was a main point that I wanted to drive home and it's important to stitch that previous interview that I did with myself <laughs> recording that I did because it goes hand in hand with that because I made a note that I don't want to over explain myself and I do not want to apologize for my autonomy. So in the next clip, the next portion I talk about getting off of medication and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because I, I spent, I think too much time on it in the next episode and I kind of apologized for it because as you'll hear later, I've stopped taking antidepressants. I explained it in the video, so I won't explain it now. But me not over-explaining myself, I think it has a lot to do with shame of feeling like you have to explain yourself because that person outside of yourself who can give you that approval is the one who is going to make you feel safe, right? It is, this is the belief that leads to this, is the belief that I have to get the approval of my caregivers or the people in my, quote, tribe, So that I can be safe and and so that I won't be abandoned, right? This is an evolutionary thing. So letting go of that model and trusting myself, I think you'll even be able to tell a difference. I don't remember exactly what I talked about in that recording because I haven't gone back and edited yet. And I probably won't. I remember one little spot that I have to go through and tweak. But other than that, I, I don't remember what i said but i can tell you from feelings in my body present moment compared to how i was feeling in the beginning talking about getting off of antidepressants i felt then i felt so much anxiety about the responsibility that i had to be open and honest with you guys but also know that like i am not i'm not a medical professional You know, I can't tell people to get on or off of medication. And I don't want to influence, I said it then too, that I don't want to influence anyone's decision about getting on medicine. Which is further enforcing, by the way, everything that video just talked about. Because it's about trusting yourself. I have to trust myself to make that decision for me. Right? And obviously, like I was saying, in the video, they stress if your arm is getting cut off or you break a bone or something, you know, don't come to me, go to a medical doctor. But as far as like really getting into your body and noticing how people or how you feel when you're interacting with people, that's what they talked about in the video, too. So she basically says if you go to the doctor and you're spending five minutes, because she was talking about her own personal experience of this happening, you know, you go in, you spend five minutes, and then they give you these orders essentially take this medicine if you don't feel better come back to me rather than looking at your entire body and your entire system and life as a whole looking at that and asking questions that would take a longer time and if you've listened to this podcast I have talked about it before that I have had so many struggles with the medical profession me trying to go to them and not being taken seriously not being able to figure out what's wrong You know, them thinking that or me at least feeling like they think I'm a hypochondriac because I am constantly dismissed when I go to the doctor and tell them. And no one ever spent more than 10 minutes with me. And I was never, I never saw any results. And then when I got certified to teach yoga, even when I started practicing yoga in the very beginning, I I recognize that the whole the body operates as a whole. That's what the whole thing is about yoga, right? Is not just a connection of mind and body, but also that your body is one moving part, one whole everything is connected. Right? So I'll tell people that when I'm leading a class You'll say, don't think of yourself as all these different, just like a combination of various parts, right? That you have to move your arm and then you move your leg. Think of it as moving from center, moving as the whole, right? Embodying that. And when I looked at my sleeping patterns and things like that, no doctor ever asked me about that, right? And I can look objectively at the times in my life when I felt like I really needed to be on antidepressants were after I had my child and after I lost my dad. Right. Because that's what happened. And I talked about that in the next portion, too, of I think it's just pushing things away. That is unhealthy in any regard. And I made the decision that that's what it was, was I was numbing out the pain and I didn't want to do that. It's trying to tell me something, which brings me to the next portion that I want to tell you a story about, because this has been a resounding theme of the week as well, is Pain is not an indication that you are heading in the wrong direction. And that's what antidepressants felt like to me was this is the the fix, the quick fix, the cure-all, right? You're sad. Let's make you not sad anymore. Rather than knowing that I'm not going to suffer, and this is kind of rooted in that shame mindset as well, is thinking that if I'm sad and not productive, my value is going down. I am less worthy because I am less productive because the base belief is that my self-worth is determined by how productive I am or how useful I am. And that is the kind of thing that shames, that gets us in that shame cycle of something like this, losing a parent puts me out because obviously, right, obviously, And I'm not productive. And by that, I'm saying I'm not doing any outside things. To me, being productive at some points was getting up and showering or getting up and feeding myself. I have a son, right? Like I still have to parent. I still have to do these things. I still have to go to work. And some days that was all that I was capable of doing. And when I allow myself compassion and grace, that's okay. I don't need to get on a pill to take that away So that I can get back to work and be productive and be worthy again. Right? Feeling like you're getting held up. She said something that I wrote down in huge print on my mirror. Shutdown reads as stagnation. And that was a huge... I'm telling you, I ran to my mirror and wrote that down. Shutdown reads as stagnation. A lot of times, especially if you're like me, that's like an achievement-driven person and affected by perfectionism because that's my kind of coping mechanism to feel like I'm not being rejected or that I'm going to be safe, that I won't meet a lot of criticism because if I can be perfect, then I can be loved, right? Then I can be safe. So when shutdown happens... Whether that's autistic shutdown, nervous system shutdown, or shutting down emotionally because I've got this huge experience of grief that now feels too heavy to even move through, right? How can I be expected to be productive, right? And like I said, when I show myself that compassion and recognize you, you are not stagnant. You're just suffering. You're just going through a difficult time. And pain is not an indication that you are heading in the wrong direction, which reminded me of a quote that I wrote on my mirror. I wrote notes. I wrote notes on my mirror all the time because I use Expo marker. Um, And I wrote down a long time ago, what if fear is an indication that you are heading in the right direction? And that was huge for me. I think I even recorded an episode about it. And I was talking about when I was going to New York. I remember that was something that I wrote on my mirror. Because it felt huge and terrifying. And the challenges that I'm meeting feel huge and terrifying. And I've never experienced grief like this before. Right? I have nothing to compare it to. But. I can now tell myself that just because I'm experiencing pain does not mean that I'm doing anything wrong. It does not mean that anything needs to be fixed. Like my sadness and grief over losing my dad does not need to be fixed. I don't want it to be fixed. I want to move through it because the pills to me felt like repressing and I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to do it and I felt every muscle in my body when I really opened myself up to the universe, what, what some people in specific traditions of religion may call praying. That's what I was doing, opening myself up to the universe. And I said, give me answers because I am stuck. I am lost about what to do. And I was so torn and I felt at the deepest cellular level. That's the only way that I can explain this experience was I felt it in my bones. Do not get on this medication. Do not stay on this medication. It did not feel right. And that's that part of not apologizing for my autonomy because in that video, they they say, you know, a doctor can tell you certain things and of course he's an expert, but he is no more an expert about your body than you, period. Because there's no way that I can explain the last 14 years of my life physically like the physical things that I've gone through to a doctor especially in five minutes right I need someone to really spend time and look at things and the only person who can do that the best is me and all I can do is take into consideration all of the advice of the medical professionals because I do like I did I tried it and it did not feel good so I did not stick with it and that felt good that felt empowering And I have not seen issues since then. Like that is the only way that you can do this is by trial and error. I tried the medicine, didn't work. And they said, get off of it. So I got off of it, right? So this is the last bit because I don't want to keep talking about the same things and you just have to listen to it over and over again. But I'm going to give you an example about a movie that I watched with my son last night. This is not really, it's not really a spoiler. But you should watch this movie because it was fantastic it really there's a really great lesson in there but it was about I think the movie is called Orion and the Dark I should have looked up the official name before I started recording but it's a new movie on Netflix it just came out and essentially the movie is about this kid who's afraid of the dark and then he meets dark which is personified into this lovable character and he's like I don't know why everyone hates me and you see him struggle with that fear and overcoming fear because the beginning of the movie is this kid who's just paralyzed by anxiety and I was like I see a lot of myself in this kid because he just thinks about all the stuff that can go wrong and essentially when he meets dark he meets the dark team is what they call it and it's like insomnia it's really cute and I won't go too much into it but I have to give you all that to tell you this story so as we're watching the movie my son sees That Dark has a team. And then there's also Light is a character. And Darkness can't be around Light, right? So Light shows up. And my son said, I wonder if Light has a team. And I said, I don't know. Maybe that'll be the next movie. Is that the Orion, who's the boy, will team up with the Light team. And he said, yeah. But that wouldn't be a very exciting movie. Because he's not afraid of Light. And I was like... You have no idea how profound that is, right? Because essentially what he's saying is that without fear, there is no movie. Without the fear of the darkness, there was no movie to be had. And it's the same way that the universe teaches through contrast. The only way for me to learn courage, which by the way, was the word, my word of the year the only way for me to experience courage is to experience fear. So that's where we circle back to this idea that fear is not an indication that you are heading in the wrong direction. In fact, fear is an indication that you are very much on the right track. And that's not just if your intention of the year is courage. That's everything, right? Because fear is what our ego uses to keep us small because it keeps it thinks it's keeping us safe that way. So I was experiencing a lot of resistance and a lot of fear, which once I was able to zoom out, I felt much less stressed about it. I haven't felt these symptoms of really severe depression because I stopped identifying with it as I have depression. This is something that I have that is inescapable that I can, I have to take medicine for the rest of my life to be able to deal with. Right, and started looking at it as depression is a stage of grief. I'm just going through that stage right now, and I'm not going to attach myself to it. I have to find the balance, and I trust myself to find the balance between sitting in grief and experiencing it and wallowing beyond its expiration date. Right, because depression is a fantastic. Excuse to not do anything. 100%. And I'm not saying that people, this is where I feel like I don't want to overexplain myself. I'm not saying that depression is a bad thing or that people use it as a crutch and, you know, people want to be depressed. I'm saying that I had that tendency to stay in it too much because it was familiar. I knew how to deal with sadness. I became accustomed to it. In fact, when I went to the doctor after I had my son and I was suffering from postpartum depression, when I went to her, I remember specifically saying The depression I can deal with, but it's the anxiety that's new for me. That was something that I had never experienced at such a level. So that just tells you that I was comfortable with depression because I had experienced it. I knew sadness and I knew how I could handle it. And I knew that I could get through it. I didn't have to thrive because I had depression. You see what I'm saying? So for me specifically, take what resonates, leave what doesn't. But for me specifically... Once I let go of this idea that I had depression and I just said, you know what, it's okay for you to be sad and it's okay for you to be sad as long as you need to be sad. But once it stops becoming a need and it's just something I'm doing because it's comfortable, I want to re-explore that and ask myself. And I did. That's exactly what I did. And then it came to a point where it was like, "Mm, no, I could be doing a little bit more without pushing myself without feeling like I'm doing it because I need to achieve because I need to be worthy right it's just no the a lot of times they say expression is the opposite of depression so I noticed that because I was depressed I was not creatively inspired so I wasn't putting out a lot of stuff and then it just kind of got stuck in that cycle so I said at one point I'm going to try to do something creative and if it doesn't feel good it's it I'll know right and I can try again later but I will have tried and usually almost always if not always I feel better after I do it and recording that podcast even though I didn't know if I was going to put it out or not it didn't matter me sitting down and recording and expressing felt good and then I knew that it felt good so then I knew that the next time I do it, even if I don't feel like it in the beginning, I'll probably be glad that I did it after, just like yoga. And the hard things are not something that I back away from, right? Just because something's going to be hard does not mean I'm not going to do it. And I have found that the most satisfaction I personally get is when I'm on the other side of something hard and I'm proud of myself because I do like to explore those edges of growth and and see how far I can push myself. I like to see how strong I can be or how successful I can be, how wise I can be. I like to do those things. For me, I'm just a very curious person and it feels good to explore those things. It doesn't feel good to explore them when I feel like it's something that I have to do or that On the other side of this achievement, then I'm going to be worthy of getting the things that I do. So whenever that storyline comes up or those beliefs start coming to the surface, it's my job to bring awareness to them, notice it, and check in with myself and say, am I doing this for the right reason? Am I enjoying this? Because with TikTok, that happens a lot with videos that I'll post. I'm doing it so that I can get more followers because in my head, there's a whole list, right? And it's like, well, this is just the first domino, but I didn't like making the videos half the time. So I asked myself, if you met success in this and then you had to produce a video every day, would you want to do that? No, no, it doesn't feel good to do it. So I don't want to do it, right? It doesn't feel good in my body to do it under those circumstances. But when I do feel inspiration, And I'm like, this is going to be a really fun video to make. Or this is a really funny idea. I wonder if I can bring it into, you know, having good timing and doing all the... And then it's like a creative curiosity. Let me see if I can do it kind of thing. And that is fun. That's the fun part. So just checking in with intentions. Now, I'm going to stop rambling because I don't want to do... I don't want this to be like a three-hour podcast. And I'm going to stitch part two. And I want everyone to go and check out the link that I'm going to put if shame is something that you experience or just if you're curious about it maybe you're like oh this is kind of resonating with me then go check that out Brene Brown B-R-E-N-E Brown she is fantastic I'm sure she's got I know she's done a ton of interviews and like a TED talk you can go look on YouTube find her stuff she's fantastic I'm gonna stop rambling because we're going into part two Hi, everybody. Welcome back. I am Dahlia, your host. This is the Bitcha PD Podcast. And today, I've got a mixed bag of information that I want to give to you guys. So i I like to do these podcasts as they go. Like as my life is going, I like to talk about what's happening currently in my life because I like to have, besides full transparency and full vulnerability, because that's just... Me being the most authentic person that I can be. Aside from that, I like to do it because a lot of times, all of us, I think, but I will speak for myself, when we're going through things that are especially vulnerable, we have a tendency to want to make ourselves look a bit more put together than we are, right? Ideally, we can strike a balance between being vulnerable and then also not giving the full um exposure to the real raw stuff that makes us look bad. Aka the stuff that makes us look human. I feel like people who are perfectionists will understand this, or you know, imposter syndrome can can lead to this, and those are the same thing. Perfectionism and imposter syndrome go hand in hand. So I think that's one thing that I had kind of struggled with. And I had talked about it on the podcast before of me being vulnerable with specific things that I know feel safe to be vulnerable about that they might be considered difficult for other people to talk about, but that they're not really hard for me to talk about. And that's not, I think, I mean, it is vulnerable, but I don't think that's 100% transparent. And I do want to be 100% transparent, but also I have to strike a balance between sharing things with you guys as they happen. And then also, I don't want to just share everything the first moment that I go through it and then say, well, that was a failure. Never mind. Because then I don't want to speak about something on the podcast, y'all go out and try it. And then the next week when you come back pissed, like, hey, that didn't work. And then you hear me say, oh, that didn't work. You know, I want to be able to lead from a spot of, I know that this works, or at least I'm beginning to suspect that this method works, right? But with that being said, I know that the last episode, I had talked about getting on medication, and I even made a comment that was like, I know y'all are going to have whiplash with me talking about getting on and off antidepressants, and my whole struggle with that, and I I had gotten on one of the medications, and I really had great hopes for it. I really had high hopes that it was going to resolve a lot of the issues that I was experiencing. Unfortunately. That was not the case. I had, because you can see it's been a couple of weeks. I wanted to wait. I wanted to really wait and give it a chance uh, to see if it worked. And unfortunately, I had an adverse reaction to the medication. So when I started looking up, you know, side effects, because I thought this is going to be temporary, right? There's a lot lot going on with my hormones and everything's kind of balancing out. So I didn't want to get off of them immediately when I started feeling the first signs of frustration and kind of hormones being out of whack. So I stuck with it despite everything in my body saying, don't do it. And I was like, you know, that's just resistance. That's just, you know, the depression, putting up a good fight. So I stuck with it and then I kept feeling these negative side effects of just extreme hostility and agitation and it was bleeding out into not just my job and my job is in hospitality so me going to work and being in a shitty mood is not ideal especially when my money depends on it you know and and I don't like the feeling of not being nice and that was something I talked about last week of you know kind of rejecting my anger and I didn't want to do that so I kind of stuck with it but then I kept looking at things online and it said if this is something that you're experiencing, reach out to a doctor. So, of course, I didn't the first time. <laughs> I was like, "No, that's just you being dramatic, you know, this is this is normal." And then I spoke to the doctor who prescribed them and a licensed therapist and when I when I texted the doctor and was like, hey, um, is this supposed to make things aggressively worse before they get better? His response was like, not really, <laughs> not really. You know, you might have, it can exacerbate anxiety, which I did. By the way, I was having more panic attacks and just constant state of panic than I have experienced in a decade. Like I felt like I was back to my postpartum depression and intense anxiety era because even when I had postpartum, I knew that I had depression, but it was the anxiety that came with it that was unbearable. And that's what, when I went to my doctor right after I had my son and spoke to her about getting on medication because I had been on it before that, right. When I was in college and when I spoke to her, she, I, told, I remember specifically telling her, you know, depression is something that I can handle. I've had it for however long since childhood. I've known that I've had big, sad emotions, and it was the anxiety that was new to me, and I just could not deal with it. So she put me on a medication, and I, I struggled with that on and off. Anyway, so cut to present time. I could feel my anxiety getting worse. I wasn't sleeping. I was having these horrible, horrible, horrible nightmares, like lucid dreaming, horrible nightmares. And I just couldn't take it. Like I didn't feel like myself. I didn't like it. And then I had this meditation where essentially I asked the universe to give me guidance because I didn't know. And I essentially surrendered, you know, when they say give it to God, that's what I was doing. Like, I don't know. It doesn't feel right to me to take medication in general, but you know, like all the reasons I gave on my last episode or the episode before that, where I spoke about getting on the medication, you know, you're having a human experience. If you need to get your human body to balance these specific hormones out, then that's okay. That's normal. You know, all the things all the reasons that got me on it and I could just feel myself pushing against it. And so I wanted to make sure that I was making the right decision and I don't know how else to describe it to you except that it was on like a soul level that I heard my soul say, don't take them, just don't take them. And I talked to my therapist. He said, with the same, it was, it was funny to me that he was so, um, not upset by it because so many people who had told me to get on antidepressants over the years and friends who said, you know, I'm on antidepressants. There's nothing wrong with it. You know, you can be on it. I felt like a lot of people were really pushing for me to be on them. And then, when I spoke to the therapist, he was like, if you're not, if the, if it's not working, then just get off them. And it seemed like such a simple answer. And I was like, is that okay? Like, because you know, that, that belief in my head that I'm constantly just this crazy person who's fighting this inner battle and like, no, I don't want my medication. Like I'm, I feel like I'm in a psych ward. I'm like hiding them under my tongue so I can get back to my room and spit them out, you know? But I mean, it's it's what I felt in my body was right. And when I spoke to him, I even said in the months leading up to me making the decision that I had depression and needed to get on medication, I had been relatively fine. Even knowing my dad was in hospice, a lot of these heavy themes were coming up in my life and I was still having, of course, sad moments, but still I remembered Also having these moments of bliss and happiness. And so I really thought about it. And like I said, I meditated over it. And I was talking to my therapist and said, I don't think that I have depression. I think I'm sad because my dad died. Like I think my dad died and I'm sad about it. Because, duh, I mean he he passed away like two months ago, you know, like this is a normal, I feel like this is a normal stage of grief. And that's actually something that someone on social media posted about and said, you know, I just listened to your podcast and it sounds to me like you're going through grief. Like this is normal. And I totally wrote that off and it it got me thinking about this idea that we as humans label our depression and, we experience these emotions and want to push them away. We wanted to numb ourselves, you know, like push away the depression. And rather than that, I I thought if what if I had the experience of just allowing my sadness to process and if I'm sad for a couple of months because I lost my father, that's okay. You know, that's okay. And the freedom that I felt, not, not just the decision, like making the decision felt right, but how I felt after I made the decision. I felt this weight lifted off of me. And all of a sudden, it's not that I felt like I didn't have depression anymore. Like, oh my God, I'm, ha- I'm happy. I'm, I'm not sad anymore. But it was this heaviness that was lifted off of me to know that like, there's nothing wrong with you. It's okay to be sad when you lose a parent. I'm getting emotional now, but, and, and I felt this push and pull against myself, even thinking about the podcast, you know, I, because I do, I really see this platform as a huge responsibility that I have to be completely 100% honest with you, but I'm not a licensed therapist, you know, I don't, I don't feel qualified to make the decisions for people to to get on or off of medication and I really i I mean this from the bottom of my heart I do not want to sway people one way or another with medication I think that if you need medication there is nothing wrong with it and I think that there are people who I, I think it's each individual has to make the decision that is right for them but the decision that was right for me time and time again, has been that I don't want to medicate because I don't want to numb. I don't want to numb the sadness. You know, that's it. it it goes against everything that I talk about here as far as like processing emotions and things like that. And so it's been a couple of weeks. I wanted to make sure that everything balanced out and I feel like I'm on the up and up. Now, that being said, I have still had days where I'm laying around the house and I'm Not doing anything, I'm watching TV and just feeling my sadness. And I think, like I said, once I allowed myself that permission, I felt better and I felt safer. And I used, I talk about it all the time, the book No Bad Parts with IFS Therapy. It's essentially a form of therapy that offers just radical compassion, self-compassion and self-love to yourself. So that's what I did was if you have a day when you feel like all you can do, I I keep getting emotional, all you can do is get up and feed yourself, like do that. And I still have had bad days, but the good days are back. And that was really reassuring to me. That really made me, it solidified the belief that, I am making the right decision, right? So that being said, I didn't even want to spend that much time on it because like I said, I want people to make their decision and I don't want me to sway people one way or another. But the whole idea of me sharing stories like this is so that you can see that this is normal, this is You're not alone. If you're back and forth on this decision, then you're not alone. And I know that that's the case because I've had several friends with me, around me in my life. And we we have these conversations and I think it's up to them. I would never try to convince them not to get on medication. I can only tell you my story and allow you to make your decision. And I had a couple of friends who, when we were talking about this, they made their individual decisions I'm like stumbling over my words, but the guy actually who prescribed me the medication just told me that he got off of his antidepressants too. And we had a long talk about it. Like it's not, I think we over identify sometimes as like having depression. It's this lifelong thing that you're going to have when in reality, everything that I come on here and preach about and everything that I speak about and believe is the opposite of that. So I really am done with that. Now I want to move on to life updates. And I don't want to be specific about these either because a lot of these are big manifestations that haven't been 100% solidified in the physical, but they are well on their way. They have made themselves known and I'm very excited about it because these were big things. These are big, big manifestations that I had been plotting essentially and manifesting for years. And I feel a lot of them coming to fruition now. And one of the big ones that came for me the other day, I could feel myself with so much resistance that I could feel myself shutting down. And this time I observed it because again, I didn't want to push anything away. These are the same. This is all happening at the same time. I got off the medication. These things start rolling in and I could feel myself wanting to push them away. And essentially what we call self-sabotage, right? We label it as like, I'm sabotaging myself, So I didn't want to do that this time. I wanted to let them come in. And I'm combining that with also the days of rot that I'm having, just laying around watching TV and showing myself compassion. So I would feel the resistance. I would try to tell myself I wasn't worthy. I would try to push it away. I'll give an example that my tax return, I got money back for my taxes, which is going to alleviate a lot of my stress However, the last time this happened, I think it was, was it last year? It was two years ago that I was supposed to get money back. And this was like right at the moment, the pivot, pivotal moment of me getting fired from my job. The thing that I'm sure that I talked about it on here because my podcast had already been well established and then I was flying high riding high and anyone who knows about the spiritual experience these spiritual awakenings and the quote leveling up as you level up things will fall away and I knew that that job was a toxic job I asked for things to be removed from my life that didn't need to be there anymore and it's funny because I just saw this it was two years old snapchat memory of the day after I got fired and I was talking about it and I was saying like, I remember telling my mom because she was so concerned and I kept saying, this doesn't feel like a bad thing. This feels like a good thing. I don't know why. I feel so calm about this. And I remember as I'm saying this to my friends, I'm like, do I sound crazy right now? And this was that moment of like, maybe you are crazy. Maybe you should be fucking panicking because you just got fired, but it didn't feel that way. It felt calm and rational. And like, of course, this is falling away. This job was not for me. This is happening for me. Where am I gonna move from here? And that was one of the major catapults that slingshot me into the future that I wanted. And from that moment on, I kind of made decisions with trust in the universe. And I have just gotten increasingly more of a risk taker. Like I'll I'll take bigger risks. And the big thing, the big visualization that I got recently was, I have to leap off of the cliff without knowing that the net is under me, that it's going to catch me. And essentially that I have to leap before the net appears, but it is the leaping that makes the net net appear. So that's what I started doing. And I started taking big chances because that was one thing about my dad. He was very brave and he was decisive. If he decided something was going to happen, it was done. So I wanted to embody the best qualities that he had. And so I sort of named this alter ego after him because honestly, listen, this is where I might lose some people, but I swear, hear me out. People with multiple personality disorders, if you look it up, the reason that they have these is basically a trauma response. So they will come up with these specific identities because they feel not strong enough. And then all of a sudden, this person can handle it. So they'll put that they'll bring that person to the forefront and now all of a sudden they can handle it. It's a way to cope, essentially. So I started using that because why not? That's what I did with Dahlia, right? I stepped into this alter ego and then eventually became her. So I labeled this personality this form this alter ego cowboy which is funny because my mom told me that that was my dad's like original CB because he was a truck driver and that's what they had you know they would have names on the radio and that was his so I thought that was weird in itself and also that tracks right like of course because of course because of course so cowboy was the person who was no bullshit and he was not afraid of not being liked Because a lot of times, my people-pleasing tendencies are what would hold me back. The fear that I won't be liked if I do something. And I recognize this is holding me back. So I said, okay, well, Cowboy's the no bullshit. He'll come in when things need to get done. And so I did. I brought that form of myself, that version of myself to the forefront and said, I am not afraid to take risks. I am not afraid to jump before the net appears because I know that it's always going to catch me. Because for two years, I've watched it consistently happen. Every time I put my faith in the universe, it provides every time. And I've got enough proof now that it felt silly to keep believing that it wasn't going to happen. And it was like something clicked. It's like something clicked in that moment of, it feels silly to not believe. So I'm going to choose to believe. And so I did. And then in that moment, that's when the big things started coming in and I felt myself wanting to push them away or find a reason why they wouldn't work out. And I said, no, I'm not going to. I'm going to allow. And if it's a shock to my nervous system and that's why I'm shutting down because I recognize that as a pattern of big things come into me and I want to shut down. I want to say that I have depression. I want to say that things don't work out and just push and push and push. And I decided not to do that. I said, not only is it okay to be sad, but you're still going to receive even when you 're sad because grief does not is not a punishment. Whoa when I said that, I was like that is from somewhere else. Grief is not a punishment. you are not being punished because you're feeling sad, and I think law of attraction and when you think about vibrations and things like that you worry sometimes when you're feeling these quote, lower vibration feelings that good things can't come to you, but that's not true. And that was a belief that I used to have was when I'm sad, I'm not going to make a lot of money. And that's how I felt when I was at work. And like I said, I'm in the hospitality industry, I'm feeling anger and whatever. And I did let it affect me for a couple of days. My money reflected it. My tips were lower. The people that I had, my clientele were the people that I did not want to be waiting on. Just like rude and, I recognized it. And I said, this is the moment. Think of it as like the test. I know some people don't like to say test, but for lack of a better word, this test. And I said, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how many couple of days I had where my tips were lower. It doesn't matter. It always comes back. I'm going to choose to believe that it's it's. this is not the first domino falling and that everything's just falling to pieces. And so I let myself feel that way for a couple of days until finally I was like, no, I'm not gonna sit in this. I'm not gonna stay in it. And then almost magically the next couple of days, more money's flowing in and the, the people that I love are coming back into work. And it was like all the other stuff had disappeared because I had faith that this was not, the downfall happening before my eyes. Because again, that's the pattern that would happen is I would feel sad and and then I would just let everything go. And I'd say that, you know, in my head, my depression was confirming the belief that I wasn't good enough. My depression, quote, depression was telling me all the the ways that things were going to get worse. Because now if I over-identify with depression, what does that mean? Daytime naps. And that means I'm not productive. And then I'm not doing yoga, which by the way, I didn't. I finished my 30 days of yoga. Yay, loved it. Cried, it was amazing. And then I rested for two days. I didn't do yoga. And I didn't feel guilty about it because I just put in my time. And that's what I have to keep remembering is we can take breaks. We can rest. This is Winter, this is hibernation mode, right? We are able to rest and pull back and not suffer for that. And I had to test that belief. And then it happened, right? That the good things were still coming. And I could feel myself wanting to push it away. These big things were coming in. And I text one of my best friends and I told her I could feel so much resistance, to these good things happening to me. And I felt a lot of guilt that I wanted to basically push them back away. Not even with um, like energetically push them away, but like physically I could feel myself wanting to like give money to my ex-husband because I was like, you know, well, this isn't fair. Like what, what, what? And I'm just so concerned about making everyone else's life easier. And then I had this moment where I was laying down and I'm talking to her and she was like, I know that it's hard to receive things when you felt like for so long you were getting kicked in the dirt. But like now is your time. You have put in the time and now is the time to receive. And it makes sense. And I I thought it was hilarious that for, you know, three years, three plus years, I've put in this work. And I've showed up and I've showed up. And when, when quote, good things don't happen, I would get frustrated and I would say, I don't get it. I have done nothing but put in time. I have tried harder than what I feel like is everyone else around me. I push and I push. Why don't I get good things? And then the good things come in and I'm like, why are these good things? This is not trustworthy. Why are these things happening? What does this mean? You know? don't want to push them away it doesn't make any sense so I was laying down I had this moment because I could feel it and I was like you know what I'm gonna sit in it and process it as it's happening because we're not we're not losing this this is the moment right that I could feel where I'm going to choose differently and we're gonna break past this illusion of limitation because it's not a real limitation it's the illusion right so pretend that it's not happening Well, that's a bad wording, but let's act as if it's not. Let's act as if the limit is not there. And I thought about all the reasons why I should have it. Rather than focusing on the reasons why this wouldn't work out, imagine why this should work out. And it was like in that moment, I saw it like a flashback, like a montage in a movie where the hero realizes all the work that she's put in. And it's like a remembering Of all the days that I went for these long walks, all the meditations I did, all the yoga I did, all the everything, every ounce of work, every ounce of me showing up for myself, every moment of me pushing through something that was hard, all this stuff. And I could feel it building like there was music playing in the background, like there was a score that was my soundtrack for, you know, why I deserve this. And I'm being flooded with reasons why I would be rewarded And all of a sudden I remembered and I wanted to allow those, those good things to come in. And I recognized in real time that the moment that things come in, I'll say a trip. I've got a trip coming up. I won't be specific because again, I don't want to like sabotage before everything's really confirmed. Oh my gosh. Wait, I'm going to backtrack for a second. The tax refund that happened last time, it was after I lost my job. I knew that this money was coming in because she had told me how much my refund was gonna be. It wasn't me guessing I was gonna get money back. She had told me the exact amount I was gonna get. And I was putting money on, I had a credit card that I was living off of essentially. And I knew that it was gonna come back. So I, I'm just charging, like I don't have the money now, but it's coming. And I was charging, charging, charging. And then when the money comes in, it was like, a fifth of what it was supposed to be. And I called my tax lady and I was like, hey, um, what's the deal? Why is this the lower amount? And she was like, oh, they, I can't even remember what it was, but they had snagged something because, oh, because my ex-husband, when we moved, the way that we got our money was because he pulled out his 401k. Was it a good financial decision? No, but did it give us both the money to move? Yes. Well, apparently you have to pay taxes on it if you pull it out. I didn't do the taxes. I think he did them. Or we had paid someone. Anyway, it slipped through the cracks. So then all of a sudden we owed a huge sum of taxes on this money that we had pulled out to move. And we had to pay it. So it it, it took my whole refund. And I was, like, I could feel myself getting like, I felt like I was going to throw up. I remember being so sad and disappointed because I had the money. You know what I mean? I had the money and I had spent. Now I'm on a credit card. So now not only do I not get the money, I've got 24% interest on this money. Oh, and by the way, no fucking job. Because this was the moment that I had said, you know, I'm going to f- throw it to the universe. I'll, I'll, same thing I'm saying right now. That's why this is also triggering because I had done this before. And then... It swept that thing out from under me. Now, all of a sudden, I've got thousands of dollars of debt. Like that. And then my parents got to say, well, this is why you don't spend money that you don't have. And it was like all the beliefs that I had of like, the money will show up. Act as if all of those things now cease to be true for me. Because I saw it. Like, I saw it in real time. I saw the money get fucking snatched from my face. And I'm a single mom. No job thousands of dollars worth of debt that's accruing interest. So I'm still losing money every day. And now what? Now what? And I've set up a payment plan since then. I've paid off like half of it. But this happens again. I called my lady who does my taxes the other day. She tells me how much I'm getting back. I am in absolute shock because it is going to take care of so much of my stress And then I feel that wound come up. (laughs) Remember last time you thought you had the money too? And I'm like, yeah, but she told me. It's like, yeah, but you didn't expect that other stuff. And that voice of doubt starts creeping in, right? And that's when I'm telling my friend, like I feel like I don't, not only do I not deserve this, and I wasn't even phrasing it like that, but that's really where it comes from, right? Is this belief that, Not that I don't deserve it, but this belief that um, things don't get better. And I guess at the root of it, it's probably that at a deep subconscious, I think that I don't deserve it. But in my mind, I thought I did, right? In my mind, I'm like, yeah, of course I deserve it for the same reasons I just told you. Like all these, I, I can look around and see the work that I have done. I can see logically that I have shown up for myself repeatedly, but I've got this fear of these things being snatched from me, you know? And I, and that's why I kept saying this last couple of days when I knew she told me how much my, the money was coming in and I could already feel myself wanting to, I want to pay this off, I want to do this, I'm going to pay. And, and I had the whole thing. And then I felt that fear of, remember, they snatched it from me last time. They could do it again. And, I, and then the rational part is like, but what, how would they do it? Like, I don't even owe anything. And it's like, oh, you didn't think you owed anything last time. Remember? And it's like, I'm looking for the world. But that's the thing. Where your focus goes, energy flows. So now I catch myself feeding this storyline that it's going to get taken from me. And I was consumed by that fear. So I wanted to do the opposite of what I did last time. And recognize this as simply what it is. A trigger. Because it feels similar to this experience that I had. But that doesn't mean that it's true, right? That's what we have to remember. It feels similar. So part of me wants to, that's what they do with IFS therapy. When you feel something come up, you say, What does this feel familiar to? And that's how this feels. It's like it's the moment when all my debt is going to be paid and I can start doing the things I want to do. I now have money for this trip that I didn't even ever think would be able to happen. And now it's happening and I want to not believe it. And, and why? Right? So I had to make the decision for myself of, I'm going to believe this. I have a choice in life because this feels like the big one, right? This feels like the moment of, I know nothing's forever and we can change it any time, but it feels like all the times before when I had the chance to just throw caution to the wind and really put my faith in the unseen, I feel like I kind of backtrack. I kind of pulled back and I would do a little and then I would pull back and I would do a little. So I have seen these little changes, but when you want big changes, you got to do big actions, Right. You got to make big changes to see big changes. And this reminds me of a story I'll tell you about me when I went, I think I was talking about this maybe on the podcast, when I was talking about dyeing my hair and I wanted to put some red in my hair. And when I was talking to the lady at the beauty store, she was talking about how I could do this and, you know, this would be subtle. And I just kept thinking the only thing that would be worse than a big, huge change that I didn't like would be a like a non-existent change, a change that I could barely see, a super subtle change that was going to annoy me more. And so I looked at that, like, let's look at that in life. Is that a pattern in my life? And I said, yes, yes, because I do love all these small changes and small changes are important, right? And things do happen one step at a time. But because you take all of these small steps, there are moments, I believe, When the big opportunities will come through. Big moments for major change. And I wanted to show up for myself in that moment. And it felt like this moment. Because if not now, when? It only makes sense. I have so much evidence to believe that this would be my moment. I've got proof that I can look at. And I do, right? I have been flagging all of these reasons the proof of my manifestations, the proof of my success, the inevitability that I will succeed. And I had the proof. It was just time for me to choose to believe it. Because I think that that is what we have to do. Actively choose to believe it. So I did. And I'm hesitant even at the beginning of this recording I'm sure you can tell probably there was like a switch in my energy because at the beginning I was so hesitant to talk about this because of those reasons that I'm saying now the the fear that it could be you know like meek. I get on here and I say oh yeah that's how it felt with the antidepressants too like oh I'm fixed I'm cured I'm healed and then nope. Nope. And I I don't want that to be the case with this. Is me get on here and talk about like, oh yeah, my dreams do come true, you guys. It's safe to believe. And then next week or a month from now, you hear from me. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. It wasn't true. It wasn't true. But that doesn't even feel true in my mind. You know? Realistically, it does not feel true to believe that things are going to get snatched from me. That feels like an old belief that is outdated. And I am now choosing to choose differently and believe differently and I think that I can prove to myself because they kept saying you know what what is it um Wayne Dyer is the one who wrote a book about it and I listened to a lecture I haven't read the book yet but I want to and it's called um when you wait you'll believe it no yeah you'll see it when you believe it that's the one I had to think because it's the opposite normally you say you believe it when you see it right but his is you'll see it when you believe it, that the belief comes first and then you see it. Same with that net that I was talking about. When you jump and you take that big scary dive, you have to believe that the net is there and then you will see it. And I have been wondering, you know, how am I doing all this work? And then I don't see this tangible proof. And I kept hearing people say, you know, if you're, if you're resisting it, the only reason it's not here is because you're resisting it. So I wanted to believe, and I was like, "Well, how do you let go of resistance?" And it's just been this this constant battle. And I knew it would be right because that's what that's what takes the longest time on this journey is convincing yourself to just have faith and accumulating enough proof that you actually do have that faith. And I have enough proof that now it seems pretty silly for me to believe that it wouldn't happen for me, right? Going all the way back to my childhood, when I have lined up with my inner child and what she wants, it's like I have not been steered wrong by these forces yet. So I'm choosing to believe that they're leading me in the right direction. And really seeing that video from two years ago of me saying it with such calm demeanor, I sent that version of me so much love. And so much appreciation. So much gratitude. Just like I did to that version of me who moved out when I moved out of the house with my marriage. When I left my marriage. The father of my child. That was the hardest thing. Are you kidding me? That was so fucking hard. And I had a million reasons to think that it would not work out. And that I was not going to be successful. And I doubted myself. But... In the end, it's exactly like they say. The situation that you're in gets bad enough that it's like the devil you know versus the devil you don't. All of a sudden, it doesn't matter. The devil I know is not worse than the devil that I don't. I knew that there might be a whole different range of issues that would happen. And there were, by the way. There were once I moved out. But I got through them every single time. And I know that it was the right decision. I know that it was, and I know that this is the right decision, and I know that even after I was fired from that job, and I I did hit a couple of snags, right, that there were moments where I was like, fuck, and, it, and I could have chosen to crumble in, but I didn't, so it only makes sense that these good things would be happening now, and this is just the beginning. I know that. I believe that, that this is just the beginning. This is not... This thing is not going to get snatched away from me. And this is not even the biggest good thing that is going to happen to me. They are rolling in. This is the first time I think that I'm going to see. I, it's like I'm raising my thermostat. You know, we had talked about that with your, your thermostat that you'll let things happen. Your internal thermostat that, like Tony Robbins says, that if you're at a 68 to a 71, right? If you think about your thermostat, once your internal temperature starts getting to 75, the the air conditioner is going to kick back on and bring you back down to your comfort zone. So I moved my thermostat, I moved my range to the level of comfortability comfortability of what I would accept. And now these are bigger things. So I think this is that moment where it's like, okay, so show me that you really move the needle. Show me that you are comfortable accepting these things. And then my limit's going to raise because once I accept these things, I'll be ready to accept bigger things. And I'll and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we'll just keep going. And it's going to be more proof. And it gets easier to trust the universe. It really does. I know that because I've seen it. Because I'm doing it right now. Over the last two years, it has gotten easier for me to trust. And I am taking these bigger steps and making these bigger leaps. And with big risk comes big reward. Right? So we have to believe, not only believe that we can break through these limitations or even believe that the limitations never existed, that they were self-imposed and that they were all illusions and be here in the present moment because it's not that all of a sudden moment where you get a message from someone and now you're in Hollywood and everything, you know, like I, I kept picturing it being that, but I said, no, I need to accept it just like Groundhog's Day. It's funny because it was just Groundhog Day, so we can talk about this. If you've never seen the movie, skip ahead. I don't know. I'm like, I don't want to spoil it for you. But he wakes up every day. It's Groundhog Day. Same shit every day. And he's fighting it. You see him fight it. He wants, he wants it to be the next day. And he tries and tries and tries. And that's resistance, right? He's pushing against it. He's trying to force it. Until one day he finally is like, you know what? This is it. It is Groundhog's Day for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I'm going to be here doing this. So I may as well make myself comfortable. So that's what I did. That's what I did. And I said, okay, well, this is what it is, right? I'm just going to accept things in my life right now. And it seems paradoxical because it is that as soon as you stop chasing and trying to achieve, those things just come waltzing up to you. Like, oh, hey, did you you want me? Like, but... I've been trying to get you for years. It's like, yeah, but once you stop trying, actually, is when you get it. So, and now I can look back, by the way, I can look back and see that that thing had to happen with my taxes in order for me to tell you this story. That had to happen for me to come back and say, and it's going to be in a couple of weeks when I say, that shit was confirmed in my bank and I'm spending that money. I got my thing. I got the this You can see that as like, yes, even though the bad things happen once, the good things happen right after it, right? Or eventually, (laughs) as soon as you will let them. And you can see that even though we go through the hard times, that does not mean it has to keep happening. Like the guy said with these clear aligners that I've got in my mouth right now. So if you hear a a slight lisp throughout this, it's because I've got this, this aligner in my mouth. The guy told me, this is not going to be like your last experience. And I chose to believe him. And by the way, thus far, it has not been. It has not been like my last experience. So that's what I'm choosing. I even said to myself that same thing. Like, keep reminding yourself. This is not going to be like last time. That was something different. This feels familiar. Yes. Is that triggering? Yes. Is that scary? Yes. But is it true? No. No. And I'll tell you one more thing before I end this podcast. I've been watching The Traders. And I'm obsessed. Oh my god. I don't even like competition reality shows. But it's got The Traders, the US version. Has got like Bravo Leverties in it. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm in. And now I can't stop watching it. I'm watching all the franchises. UK is next. I'm on Australia right now. But you see these people. And I made a TikTok about it. You can go look on my TikTok too. At Bravo Bitch Fest is the one it's on. And I made a video about how you can watch the paranoia set in with these people because the idea is there's a traitor amongst them and they all have to vote out. There's traitors and there's faithfuls, right? And the faithfuls have to vote out the traitors. Otherwise, they steal their money at the end. But you can see once a name gets thrown out, everyone kind of turns on them. And then in the end, when they vote them out, you find out were they faithful or were they a traitor? So you'll see it and it happens all the time. That they will vote out these faithfuls, but they have convinced themselves that they're traitors. And that was a video that I made on TikTok. The TikTok that I made was me saying that you can watch your brain fight for its beliefs to be true. Because your brain wants, all your brain wants is to settle on something and know this is true. But it doesn't really matter if it's true or not. It just wants to feel like it's true, right? But your thoughts are not facts, Your feelings are not facts. And the people who let their emotions get the best of them are the ones who do the worst in the game, by the way. The people who are led by emotions and they're led by gut rather than logic. And they say, you know, oh, well, and they keep saying it's their gut, but it's not really their gut. It's their paranoia or their emotional ties to these people that they don't like them. And they will find all these, you see it because you know who the traitors are in the beginning, so you see them going after the wrong person. You know that they're not a traitor, that they're a faithful. But you see all these people begin to question. And then it's like mob mentality that they all get on the same page and they go after this person. And then at the end, persons voted off. They go up and they say, hey, I'm a faithful, actually. And everyone's like, what? No, how could this be true? And it's because they were looking for evidence to confirm their beliefs. And that is what our brains do. That's why that book by Joe Dispenza, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. If you haven't watched the, there's an audio book on YouTube that's free. Or you can read the book. It's fantastic. That's the book that changed my life. Changed my life. And it talks about that. that your brain is just looking for proof to confirm its beliefs. So your the idea is that once you can control your thoughts... And can control where your brain looks and what evidence it is looking for. That is when your reality falls into into place around the beliefs that you have. It's the same thing that's happening now. You're just using it in the wrong way and you're not harnessing it. So when our thoughts go on these bad things that can happen, all the bad stuff starts following. So when I felt myself being looking for the reasons why this would be the same as last time, I controlled my thoughts. I pulled it back and said no right i'm in charge of my thoughts we're going to focus on the good reasons we're going to focus on all the reasons why i would be getting a fat chunk of money or why i would be getting the dream job that i've always wanted these are just examples but whatever your manifestations are look for the look for the proof of why you would have it and if you don't have that proof yet by the way this is where action comes in and you go take the action steps to brew, to to build that proof For you to be able to say, yes, of course, this is why I deserve this. Because if you don't have any proof, it's going to be a lot harder to convince yourself. Right? Other than just like pure delusion. Which, if you got it, I fully, I say embrace it. Because it'll probably work that way too. But if you're like me, and your brain is always leading with logic. Of trying to look for the reasons and the proof. Focus your energy on the reasons why you deserve not even deserve because that may be harder for you to believe but the reasons why this would show up think about all the time that you've put into something think about all the times that you showed up when you didn't want to think about all the times when you made the hard decision and why you deserve to have your dreams come true why it seems inevitable why you would say of course i would get these things why wouldn't i and once you get to that point once you believe it, then you see it. I love you guys so much. I really appreciate you listening to me. I feel like I started out so nervous and anxious about sharing the medication thing. So I hope everyone stayed all the way through the end because I feel like the important bit was there at the end. But, you know, my goal is always to be as authentic as possible. And if that if that happens to be um, a little wishy-washy sometimes, it is what it is, right? But I have worked really hard to be more decisive and to just commit to my decisions one way or another. Not commit to a bad decision, but commit to one thing. And then if I need to change after that, I can. But committing in the first place is step number one. So I love you guys so much. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll talk to you guys all soon. Bye.